Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 96. Last week we spoke about the urgency of fixing our midot, our character. Obviously the next step in this section of our study would be to figure out how to do that. It's not so simple. So we'll start with the words of the Rambam. The Rambam has a section in his books called Hilchot Deot, which means the Halachot of character. It's interesting, he calls them Deot which we will get to at a later time. Bottom line, the Rambam writes, and I have to read it with you so you can appreciate it. As you know, the Rambam was also a doctor. And he writes as follows. Holy haguf. He says, when a person is physically sick, to'amim hamar matok. It's possible that a person can get so sick that something that's bitter tastes sweet. They enjoy it. Umatok, and something that's sweet will be mar, could be bitter. Ve'yesh minacholim, says the Rambam, that there are even people who are so sick, mishe mitave mean they develop a desire. <laughs> Things that are not even fit to eat. Kegon, he says, Ha'afar. They have a desire to eat dirt. They are peham, coals. So I verified this with doctors. They said there's such a thing. That people have a desire, they're sick, and they want to eat dirt. Vesone. <laughs> Which means a person can be sick and food that's actually good, good health-wise, good taste. They don't like it. They dislike it. Kegon hapat, bread, basar meat. Hakol lefi rova holi. Says the Rambam. It all depends how sick a person is. Kach says the Rambam. He's trying to give us a, an understanding of our character. See, the problem with midot is that they're not felt. You can't touch them. They're not physical. You can't put them under a machine and see wh- where the issue is. It's not like that. It's invisible. So a person's hard to understand what the problem is unless you have a mashal. So he's giving us a physical pain, a physical sickness mashal, to a spiritual sickness. He says, Kach bene Adam, he says, same way, he says, there are people, Shenafshotehem holot, that their soul is sick. Which means that a person has character that is not good, it's a sickness of the soul. Mit'avim, what happens to such a person who's sick? You can develop a desire 
ve'ohavim, and they love, these are two separate things. They could desire, I could desire something. I know it's not good for me, but I desire it. That's called mit'aveh. Ohavim means they connect to it. They love it. If you sat with them, they would argue till the end how what they're doing is exactly the way it's supposed to be done. So mit'avim means they love, excuse me, they desire, ve'ohavim, and they love and appreciate and admire had'ot hara'ot, bed midot. That means a person can actually be in a situation in their life, they've reached a level of spiritual sickness that they can desire and love bad character. And opposite, they see something good, good character, they hate it. They think it's really not the right way. Obviously, they will be lazy to go that way. It will be too heavy for them to act in that beautiful way because of their sickness. And then he quotes Pesukim from Yeshayahu about people who are sick who say that the good is bad or the bad is good. What the Rambam is describing when it comes to Midot is that a person may not even realize that they are sick. When he tells you that a person could love bad midot, it means they have bad midot and they don't feel any problem. The opposite. They feel this is the way. And in fact, if they see someone doing the opposite, which we would say are good midot, they would say there's something wrong with them. This is a real reality of the Rambam that the Rambam is talking about in our lives. Clearly from the Rambam you see that the nature that Hashem created in a person, the instinct is to like things that are good for them. Healthy food, good food. Also in Midot, the same way. But a person, like we said, who gets sick, and we'll soon, soon talk about that in Midot, may not, may lose that instinct, that natural instinct of loving and appreciating things that are good for them. Very similar to a person who's driving a car and they have the speedometer that, that tells them how fast they're going. So long as it's working, they go at a normal speed. But if it would break, they have no idea how fast they might be going. The same way with Midot. A person could lose track of where they are and what they should be doing. I'll give you a few examples. Just some simple examples. 
A person who by nature is a very hot-headed person. They get angry. When someone goes out of line in their house or in their business or with their friends, they're known to be immediate, strong, tough reaction. That kind of person usually does not look at themselves as a sick person. In fact, they take pride in that they are tough. I don't get pushed around. Nobody messes with me. And anytime someone steps out of line, I roar like a lion to make sure I protect myself and my family. And in fact, that person, when they see another person in a similar situation, and they don't fight back the way that he does, he will look at them as weak people. People who don't understand or don't have the muscle that he has to stand up for themselves and for their family. And it will be soon that people will step all over them and destroy them. They will talk about that. They will preach about that. There's an example of a person who is sick. They're so sick that they feel that their terrible character of anger, which happens to be destroying their life, they take pride and they look at it as a form of strength. And when they see the opposite, someone who has patience and doesn't get excited over people's comments, they see that person as someone who's lacking something and needs help and needs work. A person who has developed a panim, a face, that when they see people, it's an encounter of simha, it's a warm hello, it's a person who says first, how are you? That kind of person, to the one who has the opposite way of life, they are people who walk around very, very stern-faced. They don't notice anybody. It is a certain attitude of maybe gava. Maybe they will call it, I don't know what name they have for it, but there's probably a name for it. I mean a positive name in their mind for it. Maybe it's someone who doesn't need anybody. I'm independent. I don't need to go and get people to like me, to say hello to them. I don't need that. I'm an independent person. I have my own money. I have my own family. I have my own strength. I don't need to go around, say, oh, look at that guy. Everybody they see, they say hello to. What a hazi case. He needs everybody to say hello to him. He needs to go out and recruit friends. He's a, he's a miskan, he's a hazi. Me, I don't need anybody. I'm good.
I'm independent. There's another sickness. This man is sick. Because part of character development and good character is being able to give kavod to the people in our lives. And yes, to be the first one that says hello to people. And yes, to put on a, a face, a smile, a beautiful face. But again, someone who's sick sees it exactly hafuch, the opposite. A person who's humble in their ways, in their attitude, in the way they dress, in the way they act, in the way they speak, which is a beautiful midah. The Ramban calls it the most beautiful of midot. But to an arrogant person, it is a clear sign of a person who is lacking. A person who acts humble, again, is weak in their minds. There are many, many examples that I can give you, but I think you get the idea. That a person lacking good midot doesn't look at themselves as a sick person. The opposite, says the Rambam. They love it. They will argue about it. And they will put down the person on the other side. You see this not only in Midot, you see it in other things as well. Certain things that are like very obvious. When you look at it, you say, what's going on? Does it make sense? I'll give you an example. People come to pray in Bet Knesset. They come to pray in Shul. Ask anybody, why do we come to Shul? To pray. So it's surprising that you sit in shul and you see people talking. They're talking to that one, they're talking to that one, socializing. But, but this is a place to pray. How does that make sense? Okay, it's hard for them. I understand. But what's shocking, shocking, is if someone would come in to pray and sit next to them and doesn't talk, they look at him like he landed from out of space. It's the truth. They look, what's wrong with that? Oh, you don't talk? And like, like, like he's strange. How does that make sense? You're sitting in Bet Knesset. It's a time of tefillah. You're not going to socialize. You didn't go to a party. You came to shul. You also came to shul. You're also holding a sidur. And you think the guy who's sitting and praying and doesn't talk, is a little weird. He like, he's the guy who doesn't talk in shul. Why is that weird? And you'll find many things like that. In the spiritual world, when you're connected to something else, you think that something else is it. And anything opposite has to be wrong. Many things like that, whether it's tefillah, whether it's Shabbat, people have different views of Shabbat, they have their own Shabbat, the way they keep Shabbat is perfect, the guy next to them went a little crazy, he went a little extreme, but the same Shabbat, you're following the same rules, what, what are you saying? But if you keep Shabbat a certain way, or don't keep it a certain way, so then in your mind, that's Shabbat. And that's the Shabbat you love. 
And that's the Shabbat that you preach. And that's the Shabbat you talk to your children about. And you tell them, this is our Shabbat. That's what we do. The guy next door is a little, he's a little majdun. He lost it. He eats three seudot. We only eat one. We don't eat three. We have mazah. That's it. We don't, we don't have a real meal in the afternoon. That's a little too extreme, too much. Now, oh, they have the Shabbat clothes on. That's not for us. We don't do those things. And much more, as you can imagine. In the spiritual reality, says Rambam is opening our eyes to something that's not like that so much. In the, you have to be really sick physically to, to want to eat the rocks and dirt. But in the spiritual world, it's very common that if you chose a certain way, it could be the worst way, you will hold on to it and love it. And look at the other way as wrong and unattractive. It is that way with Lashon Hara. Person who loves to talk. They, they sit down and they talk. That's what they do. They go for lunch and we talk Lashon Hara about this one and that one and that one. That's, that's their life. That's their enjoyment. They sit on the balcony and they see people and talk about them. It's, it's something people do. It's an unbelievable thing. And all of a sudden, someone comes to the balcony and they don't engage in that. And they say, mm, what's wrong with them? Why? They're so boring. What kind of life do they have? They don't talk. It's that way in Sinut. There's no greater example for a woman than Sinut. Here's a woman dressed beautifully with dignity, with a person who's not Sinut says, what is she wearing? She looks horrible. The one who's wearing Sinut looks at the other one and says, oh my goodness, I can't believe you go out like that. You understand? They're not saying, oh wow, you're so good, I wish I could be like that. No, it's not like that. When it comes to spirituality, whatever side you're used to, you think that's the way. And the other way looks really bad. I think I gave you enough examples, but you could learn on your own the rest. Just wanted to give you some... Yeah, thanks. I know, I know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I know my customers. There's no end to this. The way people socialize, the way people raise their children, the way people go on vacation, the way people... Anything and everything in the spiritual world is something... is something that you will connect to no matter what you do. So, based on that, you can imagine that we become extremely unreliable in judging ourselves in this area. Going to a doctor is so much easier physically than spiritually. Because the way Hashem made the world, that in the physical world, when you're doing something wrong, at some point you're going to feel physical pain. And you're going to have to go to the doctor. You're going to realize something is wrong. 
But in the spiritual world, it's not like that. There is no pain that you feel if you have terrible character. I mean, you will end up suffering in many ways, but somehow you don't see the connection between your bad character and why you're suffering. You see it as, no, no, I'm suffering because, something, because that happened. I'm suffering because that happened. Hashem will never give you a clear connection between your bad character and the reason why there's so much havoc in your life. And the reason is obvious. Because if there would be a clear connection between our bad character and the results in life, then obviously everybody would have great character and there'd be no free choice. So in the world of physical pain, excuse me, physical damage, there's pain. And a person goes to the doctor and gets better. But when it comes to spirituality, if every time we were sick, like the Rambam says, we would feel the pain and we would know where it's coming from, again, the pain is there. The relationship you have is a disaster. Now you're saying it's because of her. Because the way she is, and the way she spoke, and the way she did. Meanwhile, if you really looked, it's your character that's the problem. But you won't see that connection. So when it comes to sickness of the body, it's very simple. Go to the doctor. But when it comes to spiritual sickness, people are not making appointments to go to the doctor because they don't feel the pain. They don't realize their anger is making their life miserable. They don't realize their arrogance is destroying their family. They don't realize that their selfishness is eating at their happiness. They don't realize so many things. So how will they ever be healed? How could you heal somebody if they don't know that they're sick? In fact, you could take this to the bank. Most people in life think that their character is just right. You heard of the Rambam's middle of the road? The Rambam speaks about being in the middle of the road. By the way, people misunderstand that. Middle of the road does not mean I wrote 600 halachot, okay, so choose half of them. That's not what I mean. You know that, right? That's not what it means. I wrote these books, so... Choose whichever half you like, and you do them. I mean, it's, it's very silly for people. People actually think that, but it's silly. It's not what the Rambam is talking about. The Rambam is talking about character. That character, a person has to know, where is that fine line between too much and too little? Because character is not something clear, this or that. You have to find the right, the right mix, the right balance. Most people feel their character is just right there exactly the golden middle that they're in. And that's very far from the truth for the majority of people. So what's the solution? We got a problem. The problem is that most of us really have character issues, you'll forgive me. That most of us have real, serious character flaws. Problem is, we don't even know it. We're not even aware of it. So how do you treat someone who doesn't even know that they're sick. What is the solution to this? Now that the Rambam gave us that introduction, it's a very important introduction. So what's the solution? Says the Rambam, Umahi takanat holi hanefashot. So what is the way to fix 
this sickness of the soul. Says the Rambam, Yelchu etzel hachachamim. That they should go to the wise people. Shehen rof'e hanefashot. They are considered the doctors of the soul. Ve'irape'u holyam. And they will heal their sickness. Bede'ot. They will change their outlook. Shemelamedim otam. That they will teach them. Until they bring them back to the right road. He says, And those who recognize that they have bad character, takes a very high level person, a really honest person. That's a very honest person. Those who know they have bad character and they don't go to the hachamim, he says on them, Shlomo HaMelech says, a pasuk, how the evilim, the fools, he calls them basically fools. That they despise Musar that's going to heal them. But let's forget about them for a second. Let's go back to the regular people. The regular people don't even know there's a problem. The Rambam is saying, the way to fix a sickness of the soul is you got to be around wise people. It doesn't mean that when you feel you have a problem, you go to them. That's not what he means. Because like we said, you're not even going to know. It means you have to make it your business to go listen to the wise people, listen to their messages, read their books, follow what they're trying to give over so that you can realize that there is something here that you need to work on. Again, if you're going to wait for the problem to happen, basically you're going to have to hit like rock bottom to go visit the rabbi, to go visit the wise person. The Rambam is suggesting before you do that, make sure you make wise people a part of your life. Let them be a part of your week, a part of your day. If possible, a part of your family. The Gemara says, that a person should give anything to go and marry a daughter of a Talmud Hacham. The Gemara says a person should give anything that their daughter should marry a Talmud Hacham. It says in the Gemara that a person should do what he can to go into business with a Talmud Hacham. What ha- why? The reason is because when you're doing business with a Talmud Hacham, now he's your partner. Now you have to talk to them. What should we do? Should we buy? Should we sell? All of a sudden, you have something to do with him. So automatically, you're spending time with him. When your son-in-law is the Talmud Hacham, so you have someone in your home. This is the advice of Hachamim to figure out a way to surround yourself with wise people. Wise people are not like doctors because you're not going to feel the need to go to them unless something is really bad and nobody wants to wait till that destruction to go to see somebody. Wise people need to be a part of your life even if you feel there's nothing wrong. Because what happens is when you start being with them and you start learning with, from them and you all of a sudden start to realize, oh, whoa, I never realized that I need to fix that. I never, I never even knew 
I had this problem. There's a story about a young man who went for the first time in his life, he went to yeshiva. He was 19 years old. So he went to take an interview by the Rosh Yeshiva. The Rosh Yeshiva is trying to figure out what he's doing there. He doesn't know anything. He never went to Yeshiva. So the boy showed he had a real desire to, to learn and he really wanted to try and he wanted and wanted. And the Rosh Yeshiva said, I'll give you a shot. He led him into the Yeshiva. He's there for a year. He's dorming in the Yeshiva after a year. They have a meeting again with the Rosh Yeshiva. The rabbi asked him, so tell me, how was your year? He said, Rabbi, this year was something I never experienced. The joy of learning, the amount of knowledge that I've built. It's unbelievable. What a year. Best year of my life. He said, I'm very happy to hear that. He said, but Rabbi, I have a problem. He said, one thing, I don't want to talk about it, but since you asked me, I'd like to ask you, it's been bothering me the last few months. He says, tell me. He says, you know, all's going well over here. But one area in my life, I feel keeps getting worse and worse. He says, my ga'ava, my arrogance, since I entered yeshiva, I came in a humble guy. He says, I got so arrogant. I'm always thinking about myself. He says, I used to be this giver. I'm always giving. I'm so selfish. He says, I used to be very calm. I get so angry. He says, what's this yeshiva business? What happens over here? Why is all my midot going down this, downhill? I'm learning, learning, learning. It's awesome. My midot, every single month, I feel I'm getting worse. It's a real problem. He opened up in his heart to the yeshiva. So the rabbi told him, let me explain to you something. He said, you came in with arrogance with anger and selfishness. But you had no idea. You thought you were humble, you were kind, and you were patient. And in the yeshiva, every week you started learning how many issues you're having in your life. And you became aware of your issues. That's a real thing. When a person doesn't learn, when they're not around wise people, they're not even aware of the issues that they are suffering from. That's why it's important, says the Rambam, make sure, look what he says by the way, Yelchu etzel go spend time with wise people. Now by the way, the Rambam in this chapter is going to talk about how to fix spiritual sickness. It's not like the Rambam says, go to the Hachamim and let them see what they're going to tell you. And he has a separate book for the rabbis. In this book that you're reading, which he tells you about the sickness of the spiritual character that you have, he's going to say, he has what to say about how to fix it. So why does the Rambam say, go to the wise people? He doesn't do that in Hilchot Shabbat. When the Rambam says, how do you keep Shabbat? He doesn't say, go to the rabbi. He's the rabbi. He's telling you, here, here are the laws. Law 1, law 2, law 3. Follow the rules. The Rambam is going to tell us how to fix these terrible midot. So why does he say, go to the hachamim for them to teach you? 
He doesn't do it in any other halakha. In Hilchot Basar Behalav, he doesn't do that. Hilchot Nida, he doesn't do it. Hilchot anything, he doesn't say, go to the rabbis. He has a book, and in the book it has all the guidance. What happened over here, that when it comes to spiritual character, he says, what's the solution? What's the takana? Yelchu etzel hachamim. Go to the wise men. Why? The answer is, because the Rambam knows that no matter how many books he writes on fixing your spiritual character, if you're not aware of the problem, it's a waste of time. So writing all the solutions that he's going to write, it's only going to help if you have an awareness, if you know where you stand, if you know you have a problem, if you reached a year in yeshiva and you realized, oh my goodness, I really am arrogant. I didn't know that. You know what? I didn't even know what arrogance was. You know, you know how many characteristics, by the way? We don't even know what they are. It's an amazing thing. A person could be 70 years old and lived in a Jewish community and went to school, to Jewish school, to yeshiva, and they're around the Bet Knesset and they heard the rabbis speak every Shabbat. And maybe, maybe they even learned. And they have no idea what humility is. Ask them, what's humility? They'll give you probably some answer that's off the mark. They don't even know what it is. Forget knowing if I'm on or off. I don't even know what it is. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a kind person? They have no idea what it means to be a kind person. Of course, it means to be a giver. What does that mean? What defines a person who's kind? In what way are you kind? Where does kindness begin? There's so many things about character that we're really unaware of what it is. It's important to know that. So the Rambam knows that giving you the halachot is not going to be sufficient. Giving solutions to people who have no problems is a waste of time. So the first thing that Rambam says, go hang out with wise people so that you'll become a little bit more in tune to what you need and then come back and read my book. And then come back and I'll show you what to fix. That is the first step. It's such a blessing. It's such a berachah when a person knows what they're lacking in their character. Like I said, most people that you know, and probably yourself, believe that your character is pretty good. I'm just telling you, the person sitting in your chair thinks that their character is pretty good. And you're probably saying, yeah, of course, yeah, me. Maybe, maybe, maybe that one needs help. I believe everybody in this room thinks that. Everyone listening is going to say, yeah, that's really what I think. I mean, once in a while, I get angry. When people upset me, you know, I get angry. But otherwise, I'm, I'm good. That is honestly what the majority of people think. And I'm telling you, and you know it as well, it's not true. Our character needs a lot of work. And if you haven't spent real time and effort to fix character, you can be sure that your character is way, way off the mark. Way off. Not off. Way off the mark. Character building is a 
is a tremendous investment of learning, like the Rambam writes, and it's work, it's practice, it's understanding what is and what isn't and how to get there. So if you haven't spent years of your life working on your midot, you can be sure that you're off the mark or way off the mark. So the fact that we think there's nothing wrong absolutely means nothing. That's why it's such a blessing when a person is aware that they have real character flaws. It's not pleasant to find out you have flaws, but it's a blessing. How do I know it's a blessing? We find in the end of Sefer Bereshit that Yaakov Avinu at the end of his life, he gathers his children and he has what to say to each one. We know he starts with Reuven. He tells Reuven, you know, you're my firstborn. Bechoriata, you're my firstborn. Yeter se'et ve'yeter az, you're supposed to have been the, the king. You're supposed to have been the Kohen Gadol. You're the Bechor, the firstborn. You're supposed to have an advantage. He says, but you should know, pahas kamayim, you rushed to make decisions. You acted in haste. You weren't, you weren't calculated. You weren't calm. You rushed to make decisions without consulting the right people. Therefore, al-totar, you're not going to have all the privileges of a bechor that you were supposed to. I'm sorry, Reuven. It hurts me to say, but that's the reality. How would you feel if you're Reuven at that moment? You're the firstborn. You, you think you're running. Reuven is a great man. Reuven is not a simple. Reuven is one of the names written on the Kohen Gadol's uh, chest as he serves in the Bet HaMikdash. Reuven is a great person. But he, Yaakov pointed to one issue that he had. Next up, Shimon and Levi. Okay. They're, exci they're excited. They, I guess they'll get the Bechor. I guess they'll get the Kohen Gadol or, excuse me, they'll become the Melech. Shimon Velevi Ahim. Again, he goes, he goes really hard at them. Arur Apam Kiaz. He says, cursed is their anger. That it's strong, it's stubborn. Ahalekem Be'yaakov. I'm going to spread them amongst Am Yisrael. Not such beautiful words to Shimon and Levi. And then, of course, he goes into Yehuda. Yehuda, he has some nice words about him. At the end of all these statements that were given, that we call the Berachot of Yaakov, these are called the Berachot of Yaakov Avinu. Why do we call them the Berachot of Yaakov Avinu? The first one did not get a Beracha. Reuven did not get a blessing. Shimon and Levi seemingly did not get a blessing. They got hammered. The first three really got hammered. And we say, the Berachot of Yaakov Avinu. Where did we get that from? You know, we got it from the Pasuk. After he finishes Yaakov Avinu, the Pasuk says, Kol ele shifte Yisrael shenem asar. These are all the twelve children of Yaakov Avinu. Vezot asher diber lahem avihem. And this is what their father said to them. Vayibarech otam. And he blessed them. Each one according to his blessing. Rashi Allah Shalom says, Blessing? 
Where was the blessing to Reuven? Where was the blessing to Shimon and Levi? But some explained beautifully that the blessing is he told them what they were lacking. He told Reuven, maybe it wasn't very pleasant to hear, but it's a blessing nonetheless. It's a blessing when you are made aware of a spiritual defect, of a character trait that needs fixing. It's a beracha. It's not pleasant to hear, but it's a blessing. It's like, I don't want to compare, but it's like a person who lo alenu gets some pain somewhere in his body and rushes to the doctor. It's not a great feeling to have that pain. But guess what? When you go to the doctor and they find something quickly and fix it and avoid a much bigger problem, you say, ah, that pain was a blessing. When someone is made aware of a defect in their character, it's a beracha. It might be a little bit of a hurtful beracha, but it's a beracha nonetheless. So yes, vaibarech otam. We call it the berachot of Yaakov Avinu. Where are the berachot? He made his children aware, even if it wasn't pleasant, what their character defects are and what they have to fix. By the way, since people don't feel their defects in their spiritual character, that's why rabbis used to go around, and even till today, rabbis make it a point to get up and speak. They go to shul. Shul is a place, a place of prayer. You're supposed to pray. It's not a place to give classes. It's a place that we're supposed to pray. But you'll see constantly rabbis get up and speak about this subject, that subject. The Rambam says, you have to go to the rabbi. So why are the rabbis going around to speak? It used to be in Europe, there was uh, this concept of a magid. The magid would go from city to city, very talented person, a rabbi who knew how to speak and get, get, give the, the message over, and he would go from town to town and speak words of Musar. Why is he doing that? Shouldn't he be sitting home, like the Rambam says, and let people come to him? Again, the same problem. Issue is that people don't even realize that there is an issue. That's why it's an obligation of the wise people to engage others to get them to listen that they may have an issue. But by the way, with all the speeches that you hear and all the classes that you hear, unless you make an effort to listen with an ear that wants to change, all the words that the rabbis will say will go way over your head. They'll talk about anger and you'll be looking at that guy. They'll talk about selfishness and you look at that guy. They'll talk about any characteristic automatically. You will talk and in your mind he's talking about somebody else. Unless you fulfill the words of the Rambam, which is you have to go to the wise person. Now, if he gets up to speak and you say, ah, oh, I need to hear this. I have to know what's wrong with me. Then it's called you went to him. So he went first to come to you. But your attitude has to be that I need to listen. But if you're just a recipient of his words, it will not work. In fact, all you'll do is hate people. Each week you'll hate more people. If the rabbi spoke 50 weeks on different character traits, by the end, by the siyum, you officially hate everybody there because you realize, and your family, by the way, for sure, that, that's what happens. Most people, I realize, by the way, I realize that most people 
love to hear Musar. Which doesn't make sense. You know, I've had interactions where once in a while you tell someone directly about something that they need to fix. Or you're in a class and you're discussing something and you look straight at one person. And you'll get to look like, why are you looking at me? Why are, you, why are you talking to me like that? Most people don't feel you talking to them. To the point that if you talk to them, they say, why are you talking to me? I've been talking to you the whole time. For three years I've been talking to you. But we have a certain way of deflecting and we don't take the message for ourselves. It's a real thing. And a person has to realize that. That going to listen for yourself is a very big key. Like the Rambam says, Yelech, you have to go. So again, even if the rabbi gets up to speak, but you have to go in, in your mind, okay, now I'm going to hear what could be wrong with me. If you don't have that attitude, like I said, probably you will find other people to focus the issues on. <clears throat> By the way, when you go to or hang out with great people, sometimes they will reveal to you that what you think is your best characteristic is your worst. Not, not just you'll, they'll open your eyes. Sometimes the thing you take most pride in is your worst midah. So I'll give you an example. Here you have a person who doesn't like to talk. Wherever you see them, they don't talk. Now in their minds, they are from the Gedole Hador. Because they have Gemarot that talk about how a person is supposed to be quiet. Don't talk too much. The Gemara says, our job in this world is to keep quiet, not to talk too much. You hang out with the wise person and you've been this quiet. Everyone knows you're the quiet person. Like when people are talking to each other, you're in the corner. You don't like to engage. You're, you're that person. You don't like to... It could be around the wise person who will say, listen, I just want to tell you, your demeanor of the way you don't talk, it's arrogant. You're an arrogant person. You're not a person who doesn't talk. You're a person who's arrogant, who thinks that you're above others, and why would I talk to people like that? Very often, a person who doesn't talk is a person who sees themselves above, and I don't need to talk to anybody else. It doesn't come from a good place. You could think that you're this awesome person, but meanwhile, you could be coming from a very bad place. There are many things like that, where a person doesn't realize that what they're doing, which seems awesome, is now not every time you're quiet, 
Is that a good thing? It could be a defect. So you have to know. Again, that's why you have to spend time with wise people. There's another reason why you need to be around wise people constantly. This is a very big subject. You've heard of the word shohad? Shohad means that a person gets a bribe. Now I want to tell you, Torah says to a judge, you cannot take a bribe. But I want to make sure you know what that word means. When the Torah says don't take a bribe, it doesn't mean, does not mean that a guy came to you as a judge and said, listen, I really want to win. I'd appreciate it if I would win. And to show you my appreciation, here's an envelope. Thank you very much. That's not what the Torah is talking about. That's called a person who is looking to, to, uh, to, to he's a sheker. That, that's called lying. You're giving a judgment of sheker. When we talk about a bribe, we're talking about the following case. Someone comes to the judge and says, listen, your honor, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you. You spend hours and hours on this case. I want you to be fair. Do not side with me, but I really want to show you how much I appreciate you. Here's an envelope. <laughs> he really has not one bad intention. He's not looking for the judge to favor him. Torah says that's a bribe. It's over. He cannot judge your case. Why? He didn't tell you to, file, to go with him. Answer is that in life, when you benefit from someone, you develop a love for them. And when you love something, you can't see anything wrong with that thing or that person. So this plays a very big role in the world of character. Pasuk says, You have to love people like you love yourself. Which means it's obvious you have to love yourself. That's pashut. You have to love yourself. And it's natural to love yourself. Unless a person is really sick. You have to love yourself. What happens when you love yourself? When you love yourself, you don't see anything wrong with yourself. You've seen mothers come up to rabbis and say, Rabbi, my daughter, could you find her a shidduch? Who's your daughter? Rabbi, I'm going to tell you. Not because she's my daughter. Yes? Not because... But she is, since Miriam and Yocheved, she is the greatest woman in the Jewish nation. But it's not because of my daughter. You know how people say that? Every single mother says that. And by the way, they're not lying. That's what they feel. You know why they feel that way? Because they love their daughter. And when you love someone... You don't see anything wrong. Or even if something is wrong, it's not really, it's way, way overridden by the great things that they have. It's natural. When you love someone or you love something, you just don't see anything wrong. It's normal. They're not lying. That's what they feel. You don't love anyone more than yourself. So to, to see something wrong in you is very hard. I'm going to give you a few examples of the Torah that show a new aspect of this self-love. Torah tells us by 
the complaints of the Jewish people in the de desert. They said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, we're frustrated with this man, we're done with this man. We remember the fish that we ate, we remember the squash, we remember the melons, we remember the onions, we remember the garlic. We're tired of this man. Please, Moshe Rabbeinu, help us out. And they sit there and they're crying about the man. That's the way the Torah reports it. Come our rabbis and they tell us, by the way, they weren't complaining about man. You know why they were complaining? They were complaining because by Matan Torah, there were new rules of relationships, men and women. Certain relationships had to break up. A guy was about to get married to somebody, came to Torah and said, oh, you can't marry that woman. She's, too rela she's related to you. Certain relationships, you can imagine how many people were about to get into a relationship, or maybe they were even in a relationship, and came to Torah and said, can't happen. Comes the Midrash and says, you know why they were really complaining? They were complaining because they were upset about the broken relationships that they had to sever because of the Torah. Unbelievable. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Allah Shalom, a great man that lived here in New York City, asks, how can the Hachamim explain something that's against the Torah? It's one thing when the Torah is not clear and they fill in the blanks. Okay, we understand Torah Shabal Peh. But here the Torah says why they complained. They said why. Zacharnu et hadaga. We remember the fish. We don't want the man. Our soul, our, our bodies are dry from the man. We want meat. It says explicitly why they were complaining. Come hachamim and say, no, no, no. It's not really why they were complaining. They were complaining because they were upset about the relationships that were broken. What? That's not what the Torah says. That's against the Pasuk. How could they do that? I'll give you another example where they do that. It says by Lot. Lot was, as you know, the nephew of Abraham. The Pasuk says that when Abraham told him, let's separate, we can't be partners anymore, we don't want to fight. So the Pasuk says, here's what the Pasuk says. By the way, the Pasuk doesn't report things that are wrong. The Torah says that's why they complain. That's the emet. The pasuk says, lot et einav." When he came to choose a place of residence, Lot raised his eyes. Vayar et kol kikar hayarden. He saw the certain area in the Jordan. Kikulam mashke. So it was very fertile. And what did he do? Vayivharlo Lot. He chose that. To be his residence, of course, he had a lot of sheep, a lot of cattle. So that was a perfect place for him because it was the perfect place for agriculture and for raising his animals. Beautiful. That's what Pasuk says. Come the Hachamim and say, no, that's not why he went. You think he went because of his cattle? Because of his sheep? You know why he went? He loved, he was very excited by the lifestyle of Sedom. Sedom had this party town lifestyle they loved 
all the different things that would cause a city to become called Sin City. It was the Sin City of the time. You know why it was destroyed? Lot was very excited by that. That's why he went. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, wait, hold on, time out. That's not what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk is lying. The Pasuk says, you know why he chose it? Because he saw it was a fertile land. It was perfect for his business. Why are you coming to argue with the Torah? Again, if the Torah didn't say why he chose Sedom, it left it open and Hachamim came to fill in, we understand. But the Torah said why? Why would you argue with what the Torah says? Is the Torah not emet? Is the Torah reporting a different story? Another example of this we find by the Miraglim, by the spies. They came back and they were frightened. They said, we saw giants there. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. They saw people dying all over the place, funerals all over the place. So they, they got scared. They complained. Can't do it. It's not for us. They're too strong for us. Hachamim say, that's not really what the, that, that really wasn't the problem. You know what their problem was? They were afraid to lose their positions of power. Where does it say that in the Pasuk? Again, if it doesn't say anything, fine, you're free to fill in the blanks. It says the reason. They said, because we saw the giants, we saw the people dying, we saw... That's why they didn't want to go. So why would the Hachamim explain something against what the Torah says? These are three examples and there are many more. Listen to this beautiful, beautiful yesod of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. He says, you know, he says, Kemo sheyesh Torah, pardes. You know, in the Torah, there are different ways of learning the Torah. Torah is Hashem's wisdom and can be learned on many levels. You know, a first grader learns the Torah, and the Gadol Hador learns the Torah. Same Torah. But each one is learning it on a different wavelength. You could learn Torah a hundred years and every year you learn it, you're learning something else, even if it's the same subject. Says the great Rabbi Kamenetsky, there's something called Pardes. Pardes is a word which means orchard. The Torah is like an orchard. But they use that word to explain the different avenues, the different tracks of learning the wisdom of the Torah. How do you extract this wisdom from the pardes? So, pe is peshat. Peshat means read the story as it reads. You can gain a lot from the Torah's simple reading. Then there is resh. Resh is remez. There's a hint in the Torah. It's not really what the subject is discussing, but it's hinted by this extra letter or by this extra word. Then there is Dalet, Drash. Drash means your Doresh, Drashot, from different ways of learning the Pesukim. You can take out information. And then there's Samach. Samach is Sod, secrets. There's the secrets, the Kabbalah of the Torah. Pardes, four different avenues to learn the Torah or how to take out the wisdom of the Torah. Says the great rabbi, listen to these words, such beautiful words. He says, just like the Torah 
the way to learn what it says. You could use pardes. Kemochen yesh ba'adam pardes. He says every person is a pardes. Which means every person, when they talk, there is the peshat. There is the simple words that they're saying. But then there are a lot of other things going on that you're not hearing. There's the remez, there's the sod, for example. A rabbi gets up, says the most awesome speech. One, friend sa- one guy says, great. A guy says, horrible. Worst words I ever heard. Well, what happened? So what are, the, what are the simple words is he didn't like the speech. But you know what's behind it? You know what's a sod? Could be the rabbi didn't come to his daughter's wedding. So like that's, there's like a, there's like a secret over there he didn't want to say. So that's a little bit involved in that comment. It could be that uh, something else happened in the last two years that bothered him about something. When people say something, don't take it for face value. There's so much going on in the background when they talk that the simple words aren't always really what's going on. That's the peshat, but that's not. By the way, the person themselves sometimes doesn't even realize that it's coming from a different place. So the rabbi says, yes, the miraglim, if you ask them, why don't you want to go to Eretz Yisrael? If you ask them, they would say, we're scared. But you know, hachamim say, let me tell you what's really behind it. You know what's causing them to be scared? Because they really don't want to go. What's causing you not to like that person? Because there's something else that's bothering you. That's the way life is. A person has so many undercurrents that's causing them to develop an opinion about something. And it's, that's why sometimes you'll fight with people or argue with them about something and you seem to never get anywhere. You'll prove them this way and that way and that way. And they'll say, I know, okay. So that's, that's what I think. What do you mean? I just, I just proved to you that it's wrong. But they still hold on to it. Why? Because there's something else going on and they don't want to go any other way. That's what happened by the Meraglim. That's what happened by Lot. Lot, of course, he chose it in his mind. The Torah is telling us why Lot cho- chose it. Yes, if you ask Lot interview, why'd you go here? Lot would tell you because it's a great fertile land. Hachamim said, let me tell you something. Much deeper than that. They really, he wanted that lifestyle. Of course he wanted that lifestyle. He is a student of Abraham. He would go live in Sin City because of his Parnassah. Come on, he wouldn't do that. It must be he really wanted that. And the same thing by the man. You're complaining about man? Man is the most amazing taste. It's a miracle that happens daily. It's the healthiest food. There's no side effects. There's no weight that you gain from the, from the man. It's gorgeous. Who doesn't want to eat man? It looks great. Yeah, I know you would like that. That's why I threw it in. <laughs> who, who wouldn't want man? A man is like this beracha of food. What are you talking about? You're, you're complaining about, about garlic? That's what comes up to your mind? What are you saying? Hachamim um, said there must be something else that's really bothering them. And that's caught, they can't, listen, they can't complain about the commandment. That's the Torah. Hashem gave them the Torah. It's bothering them. So it comes out in different ways. Each person is a pardes. 
when you talk to someone, there's so much going on. By the way, the more we're aware of that, the more we realize when we talk to people, not to take everything for face value, to realize what's under, to try to figure out how to really help a child, a person that you're trying to make them better in whatever they're doing. You have to know there's something deeper that they're not telling you, and they themselves may not consciously be aware of. Bottom line, that's why we have to go to the hachamim, because we're not even going to be aware, because we're blinded. We don't even know, we don't want to be aware of our bad character, because we love ourselves. And therefore, we must spend time with wise people. And guess what? If you have the courage, and you could tell a wise person to tell you what's wrong with you, that would be a very, very big accomplishment. It's something that a person should take seriously. To have a person in their life that they give that person the license. Because usually people are not going to tell you when they see something wrong. They're scared of you. They're scared to disappoint you. They're scared of your anger. They're scared of your reaction. People are not going to tell you. Oh, by the way, she want to tell you? Like, you're a little selfish. She want to tell you? If you got that phone call today from somebody, you're not going to like it. And therefore, you're not going to get it. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when people are angry and like they want to get back at you, they'll tell you, by the way, you're selfish. Okay, that's a gift that once in a while you get when somebody is angry. They actually tell you something about you that you didn't hear before. But in normal life situations, people aren't telling you. So it would be a great idea to appoint one of your close friends. Someone, don't appoint your spouse. That's not a good idea, okay? Okay. But, anyway, they volunteer without your appointment. But, but appoint a close friend who has a little chokhmah. They don't have to be the gadol adon. But someone who has a little chokhmah and say, listen, if you see me going off, if you see me not behaving, the right way, I give you the license to tell me. Take one person in your life that can give you real... Now, that person cannot live in Eretz Yisrael. You understand? He's, you can't have a person who lives out of town. He has to live close to you. People that you see all the time, that you give them the license to tell you when they see that you have something that could be fixed. Because rarely are you going to be aware of it. Today, Baruch Hashem, we learned about fixing, running after someone who, by being around them, you become aware. That's a beautiful thing to do. By being around great people, you'll be able to hear, you'll be able to see, you'll be able to compare, you'll be able to learn a lot. But if you have also somebody that has that license to tell you something, it's a beautiful gift that you could bring into your life. I will end off today with the following piece of advice. So far, when we came to fix our midot, all we spoke about today is just recognition of the difficulty of even getting on that road. We're not even 
talking about how to fix your midot. We're talking about the difficulty of even realizing that you need to fix something. That's all we spoke about till now. Just an add-on. It's not really related, but it's the next step. We find by Kiriat Yamsuf, when Am Yisrael was crossing the sea, David Melech in Tehillim, when he talks about that story, it says, Hayam ra'a vayanos. It says that the yam, the sea, he saw and he split. So, Hachamim asked, what did he see? I mean, the, the, the yam saw, what did he see? So the Midrash says, he saw, he saw the Aaron of Yosef. He saw the box where they had Yosef's bones. They were carrying it with them as they promised to Yosef that they would when they left Egypt. So they were carrying the bones of Yosef with them. Hayam ra'ah, when the yam saw Yosef, he split. Why? What did he see about Yosef? So Hazal tells us that by Yosef, it says that when he had a difficult challenge in Mitzrayim with that woman that wanted to marry him. So the Pasuk says that Vayanos He ran away from her. So Vayanos is the same word. It says, says Hayam Ra'a Vayanos. The Yam saw the person who ran away and therefore it ran away. That's what David Melech tells us in Tehillim. But there's a little problem with that. Because actually, if you look in the Midrash, how it talks about that act of Yosef and about how awesome was that act and all the different parts that were amazing and how God rewarded him for each one. It says, for example, it says, Piv shelo nashak ba'avera, the mouth they didn't engage in the sin. The Pasuk says Hashem rewarded him. Paro told him, My nation will listen to your mouth. You will be the number one authority. Your mouth in Egypt will be the authority. Why? Because he didn't infect his mouth. His body, they didn't touch Avera. Pasuk says that when they put him as the Viceroy of Egypt, they put on him the royal clothing. His neck, that he didn't move towards the Avera. They put this beautiful, beautiful choker, gold necklace on his neck. Yadav, his hands that didn't sin. It says that the king took that special ring that he signs all his decrees and he put it, he gave it to Yosef. Could you imagine? Yosef had the ultimate power in Egypt. Why? Because his hands, he remained pure. Raglav, his feet that didn't go to Avera. Again, and the Midrash goes to every item, to his hands, to his feet, to his thoughts. So you see, his action was an unbelievable act. And the Midrash 
shows you how awesome each one was. Hayam ra'ah. When the Yamsuf saw Yosef, what was most inspiring to him was Vayanos. All he saw is the man that ran away. Wasn't there something more that Yosef did than run away? Running away would seem to be the least of the great things that he accomplished. All those things I just mentioned, the Midrash talks about, how he got rewarded for each thing. But it seems that the Yamsuf was most excited and most interested and most moved by Vayanos, that he ran away. Why is that the item? The answer is because the greatest thing a person can do in their life in not getting themselves into bad character in the bad places is never be there to begin with. Vayanos is a person who realizes their human weakness and therefore doesn't put themselves in the wrong environment, in the wrong place. You don't put yourself in the, right, in the wrong place and then praise yourself for getting out of it. Of course, if you get out of it, it's a good thing. But the greatest thing that the Yamsuf appreciated about Yosef was a man who recognized his weakness and recognize that he needs to run away before he gets hurt spiritually, before he loses control. That is a great attribute. The Yamsuf says, such a person I want to split for. Not the hands that didn't sin. Not the feet that didn't sin. Not the mind that didn't sin. No, not all those things. The man who recognized their weakness and ran away. That's the one that I appreciate most. He saw the man that realized their weakness and ran away before they put themselves in a very hard situation. With that said, I'd like to share with you the words of the Rambam. These words of the Rambam should be taken, written, and placed with us everywhere we go. Just to tell you where the location of this Rambam is, it's at the end, this 22nd chapter, the 21st halacha, end, 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 of the halachot of Isure Bi'ah. Isure Bi'ah means all the forbidden relationships that a person is not allowed to be involved with and all that comes with that. The Rambam wrote 22 chapters on that subject called Isure Bi'ah, all the different forbidden relationships. So we're in chapter 22, Halakha 21. So we're right all the way at the end. Says the Rambam, Ken Yinhog, says the Rambam, you should take on the following Minhag. We all have customs. We have family customs. Everyone's got their own family way of doing things. We have maybe personal customs. We have community customs. Everyone loves our customs. I mean, hug is something we hold on tight to. We feel connected to our parents, our grandparents. You know what I mean? hug. That's what we do. That's how we do Pesach. That's how we do this. That's how we do that. I mean, hug is something that is very dear to us. 
It's something that connects us with people before us, and it's something we hold dear, close to our hearts. Says the Rambam, take on in your life the following minhag. Here are the customs. You ready? Lehitrahek min hasehok. He says, keep far away from laughter. Okay, let me, let, me, let me explain that. The Rambam is not saying you shouldn't laugh. The Rambam wants you to be happy all the time. It's an obligation to be happy all the time. When he says sehok, he means gatherings, that the goal of the gathering is to just laugh. Basically, it's people who are bored. They have nothing to do with their life. They have four hours to waste. So, they make something called a social gathering. And they sit and talk with each other. What's the goal? To waste time. But to waste time with a little entertainment. So we sit down and we laugh. It's the same conversation all the time. How you doing? Where'd you go? You went on vacation? Oh, wait, where'd you go? Wow. How was the weather? Wow, beautiful. Yeah, I didn't have good weather. Okay, great. Yeah, oh, yeah. you going to the wedding next week? Oh, you weren't invited? I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. You believe what they did? You heard the news about it? You believe what happened with that family? Oh, my goodness. So bad. I feel so terrible. Meanwhile, you don't feel terrible. But you just want to talk. You have to talk. You have to have conversation, so you have to feel terrible when it's time to feel terrible. And you have to feel great when it's time to feel great. And you have to be happy for people when it's time to be happy. It's all a game. There's nothing real going on. It's basically, how do we babysit this person called me for four hours and keep them entertained and also with some laughter? Now, if we have to talk Lashonara, also, what can we do? It's the, it's the sacrifice of laughter. If we have to do things that are not appropriate, what can we do? That says the Rambam, stay away. Stay away from people who spend their time just talking for no reason. Let me be clear. Having social interaction with people is very important and very beautiful. When you see someone, you talk to them. You connect with people. You ask them how they are, how you can help them. You could learn something, learn something from them. You could teach them something. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that spend their life socializing. That is their life. Their life is going from another social event to another social event to another thing. Says the Rambam, stay away. Stay, make a custom for yourself. Do not be on that type of atmosphere. It's not good for you to be in an atmosphere of sehok. It's going to take the worst, the worst things out of you without even you realizing. You'll become a person who starts to desire things that aren't good for you. You'll start to be involved in things that aren't good for you. You'll start to have jealousy of things that you don't need. You'll start having feelings that aren't necessary. You'll start talking about things that you shouldn't be talking about. And so much more. He's not talking specifically about the socializing. He's just saying that senseless socializing is the key 
two terrible character and terrible things in your life. So now, you know what you do? Vayanos. Run away. It's not for you. Go somewhere. You go to a wedding, it's beautiful. You're going for a mitzvah. You're going to be mesamea hatan vekala. You see people, you talk to them, no problem. You go to a simha, great. But just to socialize is a mistake, says the Rambam. You're running into a fire and you don't know how you're going to come out. Yinhag, says the Rambam, yinhog. Lehit, by the way, lehit rahek. You know what lehit rahek means? Means that if they're in that house, stay three houses away. That's what I mean. Like, don't even be in the area. He's not even telling you don't socialize. He's saying don't be in a place where this is going on. Okay? I see people leaving the class already. Just, okay, just... I'm just reading the Rambam. Okay, don't, don't get excited. People are saying, what do you mean? If we don't do that, what are we going to do? That's all we do. It's our whole life. Okay, if that's our whole life, we got real problems. I'm just saying. Rambam says, again, he's not saying don't do it. He's not saying don't get involved with sehok. He's not saying that. That's like obvious. He's saying, lehitrahek. Hitrahek means don't even be in the surrounding area. Stay away. Just being in the area, even if you're not involved in it, it can make you sick. That's number one. There's more. There's another minhag. <laughs> Says the Rambam, take on another custom. Umina shikhrut. Anywhere you see people drinking. If you see alcohol, run for the hills. Now, we're not talking about kiddush on Friday night. You understand? <laughs> okay? If a person has a cup of wine and they're drinking during dinner, or they're having a kiddush, or that's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, people that celebrate alcohol. The people that take the bottle and they scan it from every side. They look from the bottom to the top. They put lights on it. They want to see the, what year is it? What year do you have? You know how old this is? This bottle came from 1934, and it was... It was distilled in, in Louisiana. They took it to Europe. He knows the whole flight map of the, of the bottle that he's drinking. When you celebrate alcohol, says the Rambam, stay away. A place of alcohol is a place that's going to mess you up. Get Now, nah, he didn't say don't drink. He's not talking about drinking. He didn't say don't drink. He's not saying that. He's saying if you're in an atmosphere where alcohol is on display, leave. By the way, that place could be shul. Unfortunately, there are even places that you could go to shul and you'll see like excitement, like the rabbi is talking, but no one's paying attention to the rabbi. They got all types of drinks, arak, and all types of things are going on. The rabbi is like, 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 they have to drink around something. So he said, okay, Rabbi, talk. So he talks, and everybody's drinking. Stay away from such a class. Stay away from such people. They're not bad people, but the atmosphere is going to hurt you. The Rambam says, run away. You have no idea what the Rambam is telling you here. That after reading 22 chapters about the strongest Yetzirah we have, which is relationships 
men and women. A person might say, come on, this is impossible. It's too hard. And we say that on many other things too. The Rambam says you should know you're at fault because you're in the wrong places. You're spending time with the wrong people. And when you do that, it's affecting who you are. You might say, oh, I can't. I can't control myself. I'm always thinking about this. I, je I get jealous. It bothers me this. I have no patience. I have no... The Rambam says, let me tell you why. Because you're hanging out in a place of sehok, and you're hanging out in a place of shikhrut, and it's bringing out the worst character in you. Just know that. It says the Rambam, run away. Vayanos, the best thing you could do. The yamsuf would split for you. Just run away. Don't be, make rules for yourself. I don't hang out with such a place. In such a place. A few, a, few, a few weeks ago, I was in a certain environment of drinking, and I just left. I couldn't stay. I couldn't be there. It wasn't a tame environment, but it was a drinking environment, and I left. And some people got upset. I told them, I said, listen, I, it's not, I can't be here. I cannot be in such a place. I'm not so confident in myself. I don't want to mess up my mind. I need to be level-headed. I need to be clear. I'm working on myself. I want to be sameach. I don't need this in my life. Run away, says the Rambam. That's two minhagim. You want to hear the third one or are you done? Yes. One more. Yes. Okay, one more. Okay, one more. <laughs> says the Rambam, custom number three. Okay, I just knocked out two out of three things. There's one more. <laughs> says the Rambam, umidivre agavim. Divre agavim in simple English means people who talk low. Low talk. People discuss things that shouldn't be discussed. They make jokes that shouldn't be made. It's like a low type of language. A low type of discussion. It's not something refined, something beautiful. It discussions about things that shouldn't be discussed. It's jokes about things that shouldn't be joked. It's things that are insinuated. It's the words themselves aren't of high quality. If there is such a, he's, again, he's not saying don't talk like that. It's not what he's saying. He knows you're reading the Rambam already. You're beyond that. You're good. You're not doing that. He's saying if there's such an atmosphere, don't sit there and say, haha, it's great, okay, I left. No, no. Leave. Do not be present in such a place. Presence in such low talk will affect your soul and affect your character and affect your desires and affect things that you are not going to be so happy with. Don't put yourself, run away from that. Now, included in that is music that comes from really rotten people, music that comes from very dirty neshamot and very dirty souls, music that's sung by people who you would never, ever want to have a conversation with. Their music goes deep in your soul. Their words are like knives that rip the neshama of the Jew. 
It's listening to people behind the screen that are discussing things that are not appropriate. That's also called in the place of people who are low talk. It's not only the people in your community. It's anybody that you're staying around and they're not talking appropriately, says the Rambam, it's hurting you. I know you don't think it's hurting you. I know you think it's normal. What's the problem? What's the issue? I'm a big girl. I'm a big boy. What's the issue? I'm mature. I'm not. Come on. It doesn't bother me. Rambam says, I know better than you. There are so many things in your life that you may be struggling with and it may be coming just from there because you have no idea what those things, when they come into your soul, what kind of damage they're causing. Take on the custom. Could you imagine for a minute if we really kept this custom? Could you imagine that we never spend time around such social gatherings that are meaningless and end up just causing the wrong word to be said in the wrong way? We're never around a place of alcohol where it's celebrated and we're never listening to such talk, such low talk. Says the Rambam, you become a different kind of person. You will actually feel different. You will feel control over your life. Things will be much more pure in your character because you're running away from the things that really cause an infection. It's a real thing. A person, before we could fix our character, why did I bring this up today? Before we can fix our character, we first have to run away from the things that are infecting our character. Because if you're sitting in a place of infection and they're trying to heal you, it just doesn't work. So first, vayanos. First, let's run. And then after we ran, now let's focus on the things that we have to fix. But if we're in it and we're just doing more and more damage, it's very hard to work on anything. Hayam ra'a vayanos. The most impressive thing of Yosef was not his great power to fight the Yetzirah. It was his wisdom to run away from the Yetzirah. That's the first call of action for perfection of character. Today we learned about realizing that we have issues, spending time with people to make us aware of those issues, and running away from the things that bring those issues stronger so that we will be able to focus on the true fixing of our character. Be'ezrat Hashem. Hashem, Hashem, Have a beautiful day.